Today we're going to start a new series. We're not only celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we're beginning a new series. And this series is called Tell Me a Story. So for the next um, number of weeks, we're going to be doing a series called Tell Me a Story. It's going to be stories from the Bible where we can make practical application of how this impacts our life on a, on a daily basis. I really want to encourage you to be here. It's going to be a great, great series, stories you've heard maybe since you were a child, maybe stories that you've never heard from the Bible, and we want to um, encourage you. I especially want to give you a personal invitation to be back with us next week. Next week, Pastor Danny Tice from uh, Delaware. Pastor Danny is a longtime, lifelong friend. Many of you know that uh, Danny is the one that actually led me uh, led me to the Lord um, a long, long time ago, years ago. And, um, and so he's a great communicator, pastor of a great church up in Delaware, and, uh, and Danny's going to be here. Um, he had a really professional picture that I could have used, but it was a whole lot more fun to use this picture. <laughs> so um, he's, uh, this, uh, he and uh, Danny and Karen are there uh, dancing at uh, Pastor Tice's, Danny's dad, Brother Tice, Roland Tice, and Marianne there. Uh, that's at his 80th birthday party this last week, and he has pastored the same church, Christ Evangelistic Church for 42 years. So um, that's pretty, was that, a, was that an expression of sorrow or celebration? Is that right? I didn't get quite get that. Yeah, there we go. That's a, so um, it's going to be a great time. I invite you to um, invite you to be back here with us. It's going to be a, just a great day. So I want to start off our series, Tell Me a Story, by telling a story. This is a story that's really pretty well known. It's an, it's an old story, but it's a story about a young man comes from a very wealthy family, and um, he's graduating from college, and as he's graduating from college, he's thinking about, you know, this, he keeps driving by this car dealership, and he sees this really, really nice-looking sports car, and so he starts telling his dad, Dad, that's, that's what I want for graduation. I want this really nice uh, sports car, and knows that his dad can afford it, and so he's building up to this, his expectation is really, really built very, really high, and on graduation day, his father calls him in and talks to him and says, son, I just got to tell you how proud I am of you. You are an amazing son. You've done great in college, and I, I just want you to be blessed in everything you do. And so he takes a box, and he extends it, he, this uh, wonderful gift. He gives it to his son, and son looks at it like, hey, I don't think you can get a car in this box. You know <laughs> what's going on here? And he, so he opens up the, the box, and inside of the box, there's a beautiful brand-new Bible, and he's looking at it, and he's holding it, and he's kind of confused, and he sees his name written on, in gold letters on the Bible, and all of a sudden, just disappointment and anger begins to flood his heart. He, he thinks, you know, my, my dad could have got me anything, and he just gets me a Bible, and in a rash moment, he takes the Bible, and he throws it on his dad's desk, and he walks out, and for years, he never has any communication with his father. Years later, he's a successful businessman, has a beautiful family, a beautiful home, and starts to think, maybe, maybe it's time for me to talk to Dad. <laughs> so he makes the arrangements to go and visit his father, but just as he's leaving to go visit his father, he gets a notification that says, your father's passed away. He's left all of his belongings to you, but, but you won't get a chance to talk to him. This young man, or this older man now, shows up at his, his father's house, his home, and you can imagine that as he walks into the door, he just, he's filled with this deep regret about the, all the things that he's missed through the years with his, with his father, with his family there. He, he makes his way into the father's office and, 
As he's looking around and all the books and papers, he notices on the shelf there, he sees this box. And he goes over and he, he opens the box and he, he just begins to shake his head again, anger starting to stir in his heart. And he, he, he takes the Bible out and he, as he's flipping through it, he comes to a scripture and he notices that his father has underlined that scripture. And he, it's the scripture from Matthew 7 where it says this. It says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give to those who ask him? And all of a sudden, he began to think, I don't, I don't understand, Dad, what are you saying? And he, he started to put the Bible back into the box when all of a sudden something fell out onto the floor. He, he reaches down, picks it up, and as he picks it up, he, recognize, he recognizes that it's a car key. And on the car key, there's a tag, and the tag is the name of the dealership that he had driven by. All those times looking at that car, wanting that car, he turns the tag over, and on the back of the card, the tag says, I love you, son. I'm so proud of you. Paid in full. And the date of his graduation. All those years, his father really had, he had, he had purchased that car. He had, he'd gone beyond what he expected. You know, I tell that story this morning because I think that there's so many people I'm convinced that there's, there's just so many people that go through life and as they're, they're going through life, they're going through life carrying disappointment and hurts and pains and, and sorrow and maybe even some anger and bitterness in their hearts of, for some disappointment or, or something that's taken place in their life. They, they've gone through life not realizing how very much God loves them and how very much that God wants a personal relationship with them and God wants to bless their life. Today I want to make sure that there's not one person here that that's your story. I want to make sure I don't want to leave anything on the table. I want to make sure that each and every one of us as we leave here today that we understand that God loves us and that God has a plan, a beautiful plan for our lives. That God's plan isn't just for the future, but it's a plan for right now to come and to give us life and to bless us. And how many people think if that's God's plan, I want, part of, I want God's plan? Amen? Man, I certainly do. So, um, you know, this really is the story. It's the story of the Bible. When God, that, that's what God's always wanted. He's always wanted a relationship with men and women. He's always wanted a relationship with you and with me. He's wanted a relationship with people. That, that, that's why he created us in the, the very beginning. I mean, you know, God didn't need more worshipers. He had angels. He could have filled the heavens with angels that would have just gone through worship. He didn't need workers and servants. And matter of fact, God doesn't need anything. He's completely sufficient, isn't he? But you know what? He created us and he breathed into us and what he really wanted and what he continues to want is a relationship with people. So when that relationship was broken by sin in the garden, in the original sin there, that you know what? Um, God could have, and I, I've been thinking about this, I think about it at times, if I'd been God, I don't know what would have happened. I would have probably said, let's wipe them all out, <laughs> let's erase the board, and let's just start over. But that's not what God did. God, God didn't start over. Instead, he immediately started on, on a plan and unveiling a plan to restore relationship with, with men and women, to bring us back to the place where we can have 
a special relationship with him. And that relationship was ultimately, that plan was ultimately fulfilled when Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived on earth. He lived a perfect, a righteous life. He, he laid down his life on what we celebrated just on Friday, Good Friday, and then the day we celebrate today, he was resurrected. He came back to life. He overcame death, and, and he gives us life. That, that's God's plan. That's always been God's plan. Jesus came to restore us to a right relationship with the Father. How many people think that's a pretty good plan? Don't you think that's a great plan? It's an amazing plan, and, and that's why we celebrate today. And that's why we celebrate today. Jesus came to earth. He lived a, a sinless life. He died a torturous death, and he was resurrected. Fantastic story, and I think we ought to give him a hand clap of praise one more time for that. Amen? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But thankfully, that's not all there is to the story. There's more to the story. I want you to look with me in the Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 1, one of my favorite sections of Scripture. Paul the Apostle is writing to uh, uh, Paul. As a matter of fact, he's getting towards the end of his life at this time. And he's writing to one of his um, sons in the faith. I think Paul was probably reflecting back and he was looking and saying, hey, look at all that's going on, my journeys that I've had, the people that I've met. And, and he has special fondness for this one young man. His name is Timothy. Timothy had, a, uh, had been raised in a, a great home. He had a great heritage. The, he was filled with gifts. And the scripture tells us that, that now he'd been appointed as the pastor of a church. And so he's a great guy, but he, but he had an issue that he dealt with in his life. And in 2 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 1 here, verse 7, it tells us that, 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 that Paul's writing to Timothy to help him with this issue that he had of being timid or of being fearful. And, and time after time, this timidity, this issue in his life, it, it caused problems. It caused problems in relationships. It caused problems in his leadership. It caused problems in his ministry and in the church. And so Paul says, listen, I want God's very best for you. So Timothy, let me remind you what took place in the resurrection. And he says this, he says, listen, Timothy, remember that the spirit God gave us does not give us fear. It doesn't make us timid. He says, instead, the spirit that God gave us gives us power and love and self-discipline. And it makes us strong. It, it, it equips us for everything that God has for us. And, and so Timothy, he's telling Timothy, you don't have to operate from fear. You can operate from strength in the resurrected Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that's a promise we can receive today? Amen. So then Paul goes on. He says, hey, Timothy, I don't want to stop there. And three verses later, and this is going to be kind of our scripture for the day, Three verses later, he, Paul reminds Timothy to, to remember something that he never, ever wants him to forget. That, that don't, don't let this escape from your heart or your mind, from the way that you look at life or do life at any point in time, Timothy. Keep this close to your heart, and, and I hope that, that we'll do the same. I hope that we'll keep this close to our heart. And so he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, he says, Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ has destroyed death. Come on, say that with me. Jesus Christ has destroyed death. And, excuse me, and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Look, look, look what he's saying. Look, look, Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, no matter what you're ever going to face, no matter what you'll ever deal with, 
no matter what enemy comes against you, that the greatest foe of all time, how many people agree, would agree death's probably the greatest foe that we face? Or do you think, don't you think so? Yvette and I play this game sometimes, and we used to, don't play it a lot anymore, but we, uh, we played this game where it would be like, hey, let's think about best case, worst case scenario if we make a decision. Best case, everything goes wonderful. Woohoo, we're blessed. Worst case is things go terrible. Um, we get kicked out of the church and we, um, you know, we, we, we lose our homes and our cars. We're living in the woods and, um, and we're, we starve to death. And we get to that part where we die because we starve to death. Now, we know that's never going to happen, right? But, uh, we, but th we think about it. We starve to death, and then we get to be with Jesus, right? So it's like, hey, death doesn't defeat us. Death doesn't conquer us. And so he's telling, Paul's telling Timothy, he's saying, if there's any enemy that could ever overcome you, it would be the enemy of death. But listen, now death has been destroyed, so you don't have to fear anything. That, that's a good word for all of us, isn't it? He said, any enemy that comes against you that would seek to hinder your life, that would seek to bring some type of torture, torment, or, or disappointment in your life, it's already been defeated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think we all just all say hallelujah for that. Amen. <laughs> so, and that, and that you know, I, I can relate to Timothy because I, I think in many ways that's kind of how my story, my story has been. As I look back over my life, I, I recognize that that, that my life was a life that really was filled with fear in so many ways. I, from from a, a small child, I can remember just having these, um, the fear. First of all, I think it was the fear of, um, uh, of getting in trouble. Does anybody remember the fear of getting in trouble? Now, my mom would probably say that I, I overcame that, that uh, fear very well because I, I got in trouble a lot. You know? <laughs> uh, I, Danny um, reminded me of a story last time we were, were together. He was saying, he said, do you remember that time in third grade when the teacher tied you in your chair? said, brother, the past has been forgiven. The past has been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. No, I don't remember that. Unfortunately, I do remember that. Teachers, can you believe there was ever a day when you could tie kids in their chair? How many people say, let's bring back? No, let's not go there this morning. That's right, right? I mean, I can remember this, this, that, that fear of, of getting in trouble or the fear of failure or the fear of, of, um, of acceptance. I mean, of being accepted, you know, that, uh, of being rejected. I think that, you know, I've told the story where I never had the opportunity to have my father look at me and say, Sam, I love you. And, and I think there was always this desire of wanting to be accepted by him, wanting to be accepted by others. And yet there was at the same time a, a fear to, because if I put myself out there, maybe there would be some type of rejection or, or maybe I would disappoint people. You know, I, I can remember never wanting to, in sports, never want to make a mistake and never wanted to, to mess up because you might disappoint, you might disappoint your coach or disappoint your team. And and just this fear that weighs heavy, heavy on our, our lives. I am, for one time, I know that uh, there was a, a big fear. There's been a fear of pain in my life. Now, now, I, that's a good fear sometimes, but, but sometimes it keeps us from uh, attempting things. I know that um, when I was little, about the years of two to three or something like that, um, every picture that my mom has of me, I have a skinned nose. They, they said I would just fall flat. You know, there was no hands. It was just like face first. And, 
And uh, I know people through the years have thought, well, how did you get a nose like that? Listen, it takes a lot of work. I'm telling you, it, uh, it doesn't come natural. You have to, have to put your face forward there, you know? So, and, uh, but there were, there were just crazy accidents, difficulties, things that would take place. And so there was this fear of pain. And then ultimately, there was this fear of death that was in my life. I had a younger brother. He was three years younger, a little over three years younger than me. And, and he was born, some you may know this story, but he was born with a, a congenital heart defect. And, and from the, the day he was born, the awareness of death was always something that was present in our home always having to watch him, always having to make sure that he didn't get too exerted, make sure that he... And so there was this consciousness as a, as a child, there was this, that death is a reality. And so I, I can remember, um, and then, you know, others. I had a, a friend that drowned and a friend that got killed in a motorcycle accident, another friend that got killed in a hunting accident. And, and so I was, this, this fear of dying was a was a, was a kind of a present reality, and it just started to shape and twist and distort and warp my life. And, and chances are, in a, in, a, in a crowd of this size today, that there are others that says, you know what, that, that fears of different kinds have weighed on my life. Fear have it's distorted relationships, and it's, it's twisted the way I see things. It's been a filter that I've looked through, and it's caused a lot of troubles in my life. And and so I, just generally, generally speaking, fear became a prominent thing in my life, which when I think back is, is somewhat funny to me or comical to me because it was fear that was one of the things that brought me to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know, some of you may, um, may remember this, but, but back eons ago, before the advent of the round wheel, you know, the wheel, uh, back in the 70s, um, that, that there was a lot of focus on, on the coming of Jesus Christ. I, I can remember everybody, does anybody remember like 88 reasons Jesus is coming in 88 and 70 reasons? You know, and so, so the, the focus was, it was kind of like, hey, Jesus is coming back, you, the second coming. And, and I remember that in, in church, you know, everybody was, Maranatha, the king is coming. And, 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 and that's a great thing. And Jesus really is coming. His coming is closer than ever before. I'm, I'm not making light of it, but I'm saying that the lens that I heard that through, the message that I got from that was um, that they would tell you, they'd say, Jesus is coming. And if you don't, if you're not ready, you're going to go to hell. Well, there was a new concept, you know, <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, hell, I haven't even heard of hell. You mean I've got all this other stuff I'm afraid of? And, and then they start to describe hell to me and there's torment and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, there's, and I'm like, man, I'm really afraid now. I'm, I'm a, and, then, and then they told me about the, the worst part yet. The part was that if you, um, if, you, if, you, if you don't accept Jesus and you get left behind, then you, know, you, you miss the rapture, the taking away of the church, of God's people. Then you're going to go through the tribulation. And, um, and, and, I, and, and all these horrible, terrible things were, are going to happen to you. And, and, and I could just see fear. Oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. And, and then someone was so gracious and kind as that they, they gave me this book. 
And I, um, I, I um, thought about this book. It's a book called, it's called Raptured, okay? I'm not advocating it. I'm not selling it. I'm just telling you that I was so curious. I thought, man, maybe I'm making a bunch of this stuff up in my mind. I'm making it bigger than it really is. So I, I, I bought the book. It was $3.20 and it cost me $4 to have it shipped. And, uh, and um, so the other night I sat out on the porch. <coughs> I sat on the porch and I was reading this book. I thought, I'm just going to read it again to see if, if what I remember was reality. And what I remember was not reality. It was worse. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm telling you, I sat out on the porch. I was like, oh, God, just to be saved, just to be sure, I'm going to get saved again right now. You know, I was like, like three different chapters, I stopped and got saved over and over just to, just, just to make sure. I mean, just to be... It talked about, you know, I mean, crazy stuff. I see kids in here, I won't even go into it, and people getting cut in pieces and boiled in oil and things chasing you, and, and it was horrible, man. It was horrible. You know, I was afraid to go to sleep that night. I thought, man, but, but this is the story. So it was like, Jesus is coming, and if you don't accept Jesus, you really need to be afraid. So my motive for accepting Jesus was was fear. I'm afraid of all these things. Jesus has at least got to be better than some of this, you know, right? And then I can remember after getting saved, one of the first scriptures that I learned, it was this scripture in 1 Thessalonians. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now, this is a great scripture. It's going to happen. It's going to be an amazing thing. And then they would say, then the the last verse says, therefore, comfort, encourage one another with these words. But the the way I was hearing it, it was like, woohoo, encourage one another. Man, you made it out. You didn't go to hell. You didn't get left behind. You're not going to be tortured. Woohoo. I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I want that in my life. So ultimately... I said, yes, I, I, you know, it seemed like a good deal. Hell, hell, torture, rapture, you know, all this stuff. Or, or Jesus. And so I said yes to Jesus. On December 7th, 1972, I said yes to Jesus. And something amazing took place. All of a sudden, entering into a relationship with the living God, the resurrected Jesus, things began to change in my life. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know this was going to happen, but, but all of a sudden, fear was starting to be loved out of my life. All, all of a sudden, I knew that I was alive for a purpose, not just as an act of conception. I, I, I mean, it, it, it was amazing how, how it just began to transform. My perspective on life began to change. I, I mean, there was a change that took place. And uh, I'm so thankful to say it's a change that, that continues to go on. And, you know, th- that really is the rest of the story. Well, let's go back and read that scripture again, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. Jesus Christ has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus Christ, the resurrected, when he was resurrected, he brought, okay, he destroyed death and he brought life and light to, life and immorality to light through the gospel. Isn't that an amazing thing? 
I, I mean, I, I think that this is amazing. So uh, I began to experience Jesus pouring light and life into my life. And, and he did it in amazing ways. He, he did it in ways where, where all of a sudden I began to experience healthy relationships instead of unhealthy relationships. I began to experience um, loving people, people who really loved me, and not because they could get something from me or wanted to use me, but because they valued me because of Christ. I, I, I experienced acceptance, on the, not on the basis of performance or not on the basis of you know, um, the pitching or hitting or kicking or whatever, but because it was God's child. And, and this, this transformation, it just continued in my life. I, I, I'm sure that there are people here this morning can say, you know what, I can say the very same thing. When, when I became a Christian, when I became a follower of Christ, when I came into a relationship with the resurrected Lord and King of glory, then I began to change, but I also began to experience things around me that I'd never experienced before. I began to experience people who genuinely cared and people who were generous and who would share their lives. And, and that's been a story that I could say that Yvette and I have experienced and, and many of you have experienced, not just here but around the world, that the, that the people of God, as God shines his light into their life, that it, that it, tra it changes the way that we live. It, it, it impacts us in a, in, a, in a powerful, powerful way. Now, somebody's thinking, you're telling me that every interaction you've had with people <clears throat> since you became a Christian has been good? No, absolutely not. Um, there, I've met crazy people. Anybody ever met any crazy people? <clears throat> but you know what? I've come to believe. I've come to believe that, that the people following, coming to know Jesus didn't make them crazy. They were already crazy, right? Anybody ever met any, you know, they, man, they were crazy without Jesus and and now they're still acting crazy, but Jesus is, he's changing them. He's transforming or, or we're praying that God changes them. Amen. That's right. God, please work, 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 work hard, work heavy in their life. Change them, change them. And so, so yes, yeah, I've had painful experiences, but can I tell you that being in Christ, his life, his presence, man, has, has made a difference. I can remember getting not only connected to God, but getting connected to a community of people, to a, to a church, to a body of believers, just like this one here. Well, maybe not as good as this one here. It may sound self-serving, but I really do think, New Covenant Church, I think you're the best. I think the best in caring and loving and accepting and reaching out to people and, and getting connected to this, to this group of people who loved me and cared for me and encouraged me and, and prayed for me. Man, it, it changed my life. It transformed me. So, so as I went on, I, I was in this process. I'm going, wait a minute. I got saved to, not to miss hell because of a fear of hell and torture and all those kind of things. But, but I'm experiencing good things. I'm experiencing life. I'm experiencing love. I'm experiencing forgiveness and acceptance. And, and so all of a sudden, it, it started to sink into my mind that maybe there is more to the resurrection of Jesus than just hell insurance. Maybe there's more to the resurrection of Jesus, to the, the power of the living God, than, than just missing out on some bad thing. That maybe God wanted more from my life just than, 
just a heaven and hell issue. Now, now let me stop just for a second, okay? I want you to know that, that, that I believe that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that there's life after death. Amen? I mean, I find it hard to believe. I've heard that there are people like this that say, I don't believe in life after death. I don't believe those people exist. But I think it takes too much faith to get there. I mean, I could never get there. But I do think this. I do know this, and the Bible teaches this, that there's only one of two realities that we're going to experience in life after death, and the choice is ours. The first place it's a place of torture. It's a place of suffering. It's a place of pain. It's a, it's a, it's a place of isolation and darkness. And, and most importantly, I think it's a place of separation where never again will you have any hope or chance of experiencing the presence of, a, of an amazing, loving God. And that place is called hell. And with all sincerity in my heart today, if I could look in every person's eye this morning, I would say, please don't go to hell. P please don't make that choice by rejecting Christ. The second place is a place that the Bible says nobody can even imagine how glorious and how wonderful, how beautiful it's going to be. Nobody can imagine how much love and, and peace and, and, and greatness and light and life is going to fill this place. And Nobody's going to be able to imagine what it's going to be like to be able to spend time with, with family and friends and loved ones. I don't know about you, but I've got some loved ones that are already in the presence. Anybody here got any loved ones already in the presence of the Lord? Isn't it going to be great to get together with them and be able to gather around that big banquet table and, man, fellowship and worship God? And, and that's the greatest thing of all about heaven is the presence of God is going to eternally be there and dwell with us in that place. You know what I hope? I hope we're neighbors in heaven. <laughs> I'll promise to try and keep my yard better than I do here and now. But, uh, but hey, won't that be great when we get there? Can, can I say this once again, very sincerely? Look at me. Let me see your eyes this morning. To every person here this morning, I pray that you make the choice for heaven. I, I really do. It's going to be great. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. You know, the, there's been a statement that a, a writer long ago wrote. He said this. He said, life without beyond the grave, bef uh, life, um, without life beyond the grave, life before the grave makes no sense. It, it, it really doesn't. So, so if that's true, then maybe there is something. Maybe there's something that God has for us, not just in heaven, not just in eternity, but right now right now. And that began to stir in my heart. It began to stir in my life, just, just like many of you it began to stir. And I began to think, hey, wait a minute. If God's got something great here on earth, then I want it now, not just in eternity. Amen? Amen. I can remember uh, back in those days, there was, a, there was a songwriter. His name was Andre Crouch. Anybody remember Andre Crouch? Hold those hands up. Be proud. Come on, old people. Be proud. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right. <clears throat> right. That's what Chris told me. I was going to play that song, but he said I'd already used up my quota of old songs for the weekend. So uh, on Good Friday. Let, let me read this to you real quickly. This is the chorus of the song. If heaven never had been promised to me. It says, but if heaven never was promised to me, neither God's promise to live eternally. It'd be worth. It's been worth just having the Lord in my life. 
living in a world of darkness, you came along and you brought me light. If there were never any streets of gold, neither a land where we'll never grow old, it's been worth just having the Lord in my life. You've been my closest friend down through the years, and every time I cry, you dry my tears. It's been worth having the Lord in my life. Living in a world of darkness, you came along and you brought me the light. And can I tell you this morning, I'm looking forward to heaven, but, but if heaven was never promised, if there was no eternity, I would make the choice to live a life with Jesus Christ. It's been such an amazing life. God's done so many things. He really has. He's been that, that friend that's been closer than a brother. He, he has done so much and blessed my life with so many amazing relationships. And I've seen him do so many things through the years. I can't imagine what it would be like to live without Jesus in my life. It's been so good that I want that for every single person. I mean, I've seen him, I've, I, and, and this is not just my story. How many people say this is my story too? He's been so good. Even if there wasn't a heaven, I'd want to live and serve Jesus. Man, I, I've seen him do it. I, I remember, I told the story this more earlier, I remember when, when, when Bradley was born and we lived on a little island and there wasn't a doctor on the island and I can remember sickness. I can remember one Easter one resurrection morning, I'm getting up to go have sunrise service and Yvette's just coming to bed because she's been with him. He's been sick all night long. And I can remember a God who came and healed his body and drove fever and sickness out of his body. And I can remember, there have been times, multiple times where God has touched and healed my life. Has anybody ever been healed, been touched by the Lord and he brought healing? It's worth having the Lord in your life. Times of distressed times of when we've, Yvette and I have had difficult times in our marriage and, and all of a sudden the wonderful counselor would come along and, and generally he would speak to me. I don't quite understand that, but you need, Sam, you need to change something to fix something. But the wonderful counselor would come along and he would bring us back into a place where, where we'd live together in harmony and love and unity and, and it's a blessed life times when we've had financial needs that, that were insurmountable, that, that no humanly way could we make it work. And, and this loving, living God would come in and shine the light of his financial provision into our lives. And he would fix and heal and provide. I, I, I look back, I see that, that his continuing work just drives, has driven fear farther and farther from my life and has brought freedom. He's brought the ability at one time where I resisted relationship to love people and to experience and, and really appreciate great relationships. He wants to do that for every single purpose, every single person. Anybody ever had any times when you've had a life has just been foggy and not clear and not know what to do and where to go and what the next turn is? And, and I think about those times when time after time after time, when in the midst of the fog, in the midst of the, the uncertainty, 
Jesus would come and he would shine his light and he'd show a clear pathway and it was a path that was above and beyond and blessed and and better than I could have ever dreamed of. You see, that's God's plan for each and every one of our lives. You know, one of the things I love best is that anybody here ever been discouraged? Everybody ever been down? Everybody ever ever had any doubts in your life? And, and all of a sudden, God just sends another brother or sister along with a word of encouragement or a word of, uh, of to keep on. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm serious. So many times and I've been on the journey and I've, I've sensed, just sensed Jesus just come and put his hand on my back and say, come on. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to take you through this. I'm going to bring you out, and it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And and can I tell you, that promise, that that message is not just a message for me or just a few of the people here or just because you're a pastor. That's not what it's about. This This is the message of the gospel. Let's read that scripture one more time. It says in 2 Timothy 1.10, Jesus Christ has destroyed death. Hallelujah. Amen. He has destroyed death and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You know, that's what we've been talking about. The gospel, the good news. Can I tell you this? That that the good news is we don't have to go to hell. We don't have to suffer anything. The good news is we can experience the resurrection power, the life-giving power of Jesus Christ right now. Romans talks about it and says this, says that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it quickens, it makes us alive. And what I'm finding out is the longer I'm in and walk and live with Jesus Christ, the more life he gives. I want that for every person. And and the good news, the gospel is that, that it's for every person. Death has been destroyed for every person. Let me tell you, there is no foe, there is nothing that would ever come against you that Jesus Christ has not already become victorious over and made you victorious in. Amen? Hey, that's good news today, folks.